Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast featuring candid interviews with unconventional entrepreneurs who are boldly building a business and a life on their own terms. I'm Willow, your host, media coach at Be Seen Productions. As a media coach, I meet you and your team where you are to improve your on-camera presence and storytelling. Together, we create engaging videos you'll be proud to share far and wide. All of the guests on this show have a really big mission and inspiring story to tell. You'll hear messy truths and unconventional paths of entrepreneurs who are showing up and being seen when we dive deep into that experience. I'm excited for you to meet my next guest. Okay, let's get to it. Welcome to an episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path. It's a podcast. It's a podcast where I interview unconventional entrepreneurs who are living life on their own terms, showing up and being seen. So I have my guest joining. There he is. Okay. Before I introduce him, I'm just going to have him hop on. Hey, Willow. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. You? Fantastic. Thanks for joining Carve Your Own Fucking Path. So many questions because you have a very unconventional path. I did not intro you at all. Thanks for joining Carve Your Own Fucking Path. You are a business coach, which yes. you know, says one layer. So why don't you take us so the path that you were on before you became this business coach? Awesome. So I'll start by saying I got a text from my mother last week, and it was a picture of a little plastic suitcase. And the mm -hmm. caption on the text said where it all began. Because when I was in grade school, and I was in maybe grade two or three, I had the idea that if I saved all my good Halloween candy until after Halloween, when everyone had run out, then I could bring them to school and I could trade and sell my chocolate bars and chips. And I brought all my chocolate bars and chips three or four weeks later, and I tried to sell them and trade them, but people weren't interested because I was just pulling them out of my pocket. So the next day, I brought them in a little plastic briefcase, and I showed my wares out of my <laughs> briefcase. <laughs> I distinctly remember walking home that day where my pockets were jingling with all the quarters and marbles and all the things that I'd acquired that day. So I've always been an entrepreneur of sorts. I didn't go to university. I dropped out of high school. Okay. I started a business instead. And my entire life story, and we can talk through all the different, has been this game of jumping back and forth between being an entrepreneur and then going and working places when needs arise in my personal life and when I you know, hit a roadblock that couldn't be overcome and I needed to go back to work. So I've been on this journey on and off for some time. Okay. The entrepreneur thing as a kid, mm -hmm. what did you have any, did you have anyone that you were modeling? How did you know that, I mean, even putting a, a name to it? Uh, yeah, I didn't have a name to put to it. It's funny. I'm trying to think of what my dad was doing at that point. I don't think my dad had really dove into his entrepreneur journey yet. And I didn't really have anyone that uh, I just, I always knew I was different. I didn't like school. I did okay at school when I tried. Uh, I stood out. I got put into the like enriched program for a bit and I was bored. Like I just, I always felt like a bit of an oddball. Later, when I was a little older in my teens, my dad started a Dickie D ice cream distribution business and he had a side hustle that he was doing on the side. And my dad always did different things, but at that point I had, I don't even know where I got the idea from. I just knew I wanted, I wanted to earn some of my own money to have some independence. I think that's where it came from. Okay. So it was, it was that 
the yeah. Yeah, freedom and, and knowing that if you generated your own money, you could do your own thing. So would you say that you're naturally a rebel at heart? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and this is funny because I've been reflecting on this because I'm just starting a collaborative project with someone who I admire a lot, who I really connect with. We have this amazing bond. Mm -hmm. And most of my life, I've been a lone wolf. I've been a rebel. I've done things on my own. But then I started thinking, like, wait a minute, the times in the past where I did find someone that I did really connect with, where I shared values with, where I had a similar outlook on the world, and we maybe had complementary skills, mm -hmm. what I was able to accomplish was in immense, incredible. So I've absolutely yeah. always been a rebel of sorts. Uh, I remember being told in grade eight, I was asking questions and challenging the teacher on something. And she told me that they're just better to stop asking questions and just shut up because I was going to cause a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also remember later that year, we had different high schools coming to solicit us as a grade eight cohort and trying to entice us to go to their schools. And I don't know, there's a lot of bullshit. And I was just calling everyone on their crap. But I was like, wait a minute, you just said you don't have a cafeteria or a gym and we go to the school down the street for that. Is that right? And I was really putting the presenters on the spot. And I got in shit for that too. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I've always been a rebel. Okay. It's like questioning the status quo sounds like. Absolutely. Fully, fully, fully. So music, uh -huh. is a massive part of your life. And I love when you go back you know into memory lane and like post pictures and talk about that because yes. it sounds like you've lived many different lives and i want to get into identity work mm -hmm. too like that's yeah big and so just tell me about that like music okay being a rebel this mm -hmm. that that journey let's talk about that so in high school not sure where i belong not really wanting to fit in living in a small town living in an army base where the options for things to do were to get drunk, get in fights, uh, try not to get arrested, which was literally every weekend. It was every weekend and it was draining. It was soul sucking and someone brought me to a rape. Someone knew that I liked music and I liked to dance. And I have these early memories of dancing on the picnic table to entertain the neighbors kind of thing. Like I've always loved it. And it just opened up this world. It's like, I was brought to Toronto and then, oh, wait a minute, there's, young people, old people, there's someone cross-dressed, there's people of different nationalities, different ethnicities, there's, there's hippies, there's someone in a suit, there's so, like, it was just, it completely ripped my world open as far as what I thought was possible, what I thought I needed to do, what paths were open to me. And I really got into, I transitioned my love of music into really DJing. And I started DJing and then producing music. And when I left high school, I started a business. I started a record label. And I was like 19 and 20, getting fax orders from New York, shipping stuff to England, like with my little business out of my bedroom. Uh -huh. uh, it's a huge part of my life until, you know, you, we were, you mentioned identities until it wasn't serving me anymore. Like I loved it. It was awesome. I got to play some really cool festivals. I got to play Ultra Music Festival in Miami, open for Prodigy. I played in the UK a couple of times. <laughs> like it was, it was great when I was younger and when I was more into the party life, but I woke up one day realizing that I felt hollow. I had no idea who I was. I looked in the mirror. I hated who I saw. Mm -hmm. I drank too much. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was suicidal. It, it actually led to me being you know, like I was going through a divorce. I had no idea who I was. I knew what I, what I wanted to be anymore. And it was tough because I had crafted my whole existence. My identity was I was this music person. I was a DJ. I was a producer. I, 
I, all, I met my wife in a nightclub. I had all these friends that were based on music. People saw me as this. And actually, when I retired, I had a retirement party eight years ago or whenever that was, seven years ago. Um, anyways, maybe eight, a little older than that. Um, people got upset with me. I actually had like some Facebook comments and messages where people were like, you can't quit. That's who you are. That's who you are to me. I see you as this person. You are this identity. You are. And it was just reinforcing and projecting identity on me. So I'm on my third career. I've had to challenge who I am and reconstruct it multiple times. Yeah, that's, I'm always fascinated by reinvention stories and people that do that. I mean, I have as well. And I think it's something that takes a lot of courage to do. So the music career, what was, what were you aiming for? Like, what was the, what was your why back then? Mm. Music brought me so much joy. And when I was challenged, upset, hating myself, feeling lost, feeling mad at the world, upset at my father, just dealing with the traumas of life and dancing brought me so much joy and solace, like closing my eyes and letting loose. And that utopia that I found on these dance floors at these events to me just seemed like such a magical, magical place. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to contribute to that. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to be able to share and spread that joy. And even till the end, even when like at the end where I was so kind of burnt out and over it and I got to a place where I was suicidal, the music was still a constant. I was still always excited when I heard a new piece of music. And I was like, it reminds me of this. And if I close my eyes, I dance and it makes me feel like this. So. So it partly escapism, but also the, the alternate reality or universe that exists by getting to make and share music. That was the anchor. That was the magnet for me. Okay. So performing, being on stage, having your name on posters. That was that just a cool. That, you know what, that led to me meeting awesome people. And that led me to get to travel to places that were, you know, the me living in, on an army base and in this little bubble where a lot of people I grew up with, they thought, if I can just get a job in the neighboring town's car factory, I'll be set. Or I'm just going to join the army like mom and dad. And nothing yeah. wrong with that. And I don't judge those people. I went with this, to school with a lot of people who have done that. And some of them are extremely happy. That's great. I just knew that wasn't for me. Yeah. And this, you know, getting your name on posters and blah, blah, blah. There's a buzz. Like, the noise means nothing, but when you're on stage and you've got, whether it's 100 or 10,000 people in front of you mm -hmm. and you play a piece of music or you mix something or you provide something and you, the energy you give, you get back. And then it, because I was producing my own music, I would be sharing some music that I had made and getting that reflected back. So this like exchange of energy is extremely powerful. And actually I've been thinking about that because it is, it is, there's an addictive side to it. It is like definitely feeding the ego and it is dangerous. And I think that's some of the stuff that I got wrapped up in in the end that really led to me being so out of sync with my values and what was important and led to me being so miserable. But I have some friends that have been around since day one. And there's one friend in particular, his name is Patrick Brown. And I posted recently about a, a flyer that I made when I was trying to break into the competitive Toronto music scene. And it said, who the fuck is Rob G? And the yeah. story behind it is, I had, was lucky enough to play all over Ontario. I had played a few places in the U.S. I'd been flown to the West Coast, but I couldn't really get on these big bills in Toronto. So mm -hmm. I made my own flyer because I wasn't on all these other flyers. I made 15,000 of them and I handed them out. I hustled. I stood out all night handing these things out. My friend, Patrick, who's always been a constant to making sure my ego stays in check, remixed the flyer, made his own version, and it was called Who the Fuck Cares? And <laughs> 
tore the whole thing to shreds and it made fun of me and it just really like poked it was amazing um so having those kinds of people to keep your ego in check uh were really key but and i still i still lost the plot in the end i still got way detached from the purpose and who i was okay so that was eight years ago that you retired yeah, i retired i have a re I, yeah, I had a retirement party my friends who owned a, a nightclub they actually closed that when they opened another one it's like listed in mixed mags top clubs in the world like it's a very well-known place with international djs and i had a they had a like a retirement party there and had friends play and i've played a few times since Mm -hmm. um, I always still play Pride. Pride is really important to me. The event means a lot to me. Uh, and actually, before I made this recent leap to who I am now, when I this is this is kind of funny. This brings it all a bit together. I was working in people and culture roles at tech companies. I was getting to do some coaching, and that was always the part that excited me the most. I was coaching the CEO, I was coaching the leadership team, and every time I got a taste of that, I was like, "Ooh, this is really close to like an alignment where it's checking a lot of the boxes of." of fulfillment, of giving back, of impact, and it doesn't feel like work. And I wasn't happy in that job anymore, but I was afraid to take the leap. And for a little bit, I went back to what was comfortable. I went back to history. I went back to music. So in oh. 2017, 18, I started making a bunch of music again. And then in 2019, I played a bunch of shows again. I played wow. Chambal in BC. I played at Burning Man again. I started playing some shows in Toronto again. But it was weird. It was just me avoiding what I needed to do and what I really deeply wanted to do, which is what I'm doing now. Okay. So I have to ask you about your sobriety because it, that was part of, you know, the, the shift, right? It's like mm -hmm. giving that up also meant, okay, giving up alcohol. And when you played again, was mm -hmm. it also a completely different experience because you were also sober? Totally different experience because I was also sober. And also because I wasn't trying to make a living doing it. Mm, okay. So huge detachment. Yeah. Um, this, the sober piece was a little easier because I'd been through enough cycles and like dinners where people asked me questions or like started at workplaces where people were like, you don't drink. Mm -hmm. I worked at a marketing company where the booze was free flowing all the time. Yeah. And I actually was in an interview with someone who said like, oh, you don't drink. We'll break you. I'll be there when you break. Like, so I had already like Great. been through the whole journey of what it means to be a sober person in a world that doesn't necessarily understand sobriety. Mm -hmm. So that was, it was different, but the biggest difference was I wasn't making and playing and sharing music to try and make a living out of it. And it, it made me feel a bit more like what it was like when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. It was cool, but still the, the late nights, the like broken yeah. sleep, the whatever, I was just like, mm, I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding what I know I should be doing. Mm -hmm. So that inner voice. Yes. Became louder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So then the transition into being a coach, which mm -hmm. sounds like you had tastes of it and you're like, mm -hmm. that's it. Did you have experience with the coach? And did any transformation from that kind of experience? I had mentors, but mm -hmm. bef before I hadn't really had a, a coach. I had some really good mentors. There's a course I took like more about coaching in the workplace, like leadership management coaching. Uh, that person was a really important mentor when I was doing coaching and training in my jobs. There's some people that were really important mentors for me, but I never had a, a coach coach beforehand. Mm. And it's interesting, if I look back, I've always been the go-to person in my friends groups, in my peer groups, when people yeah. were having relationship problems or people were fighting with their parents, like I, people came mm -hmm. to me for advice and I knew 
it felt good. I knew I enjoyed doing it. I knew I was decent at doing it, but I didn't think you could actually make a living doing it. And that was something that I had to shift from the belief point of view. Actually, this is an interesting story. So I was in my, my last job, knowing I needed a change. I had dabbled in music to try and like fill that void, but it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it, there, it needed to be something else. And I started interviewing at other places again, thinking that if I just change something, that's going to solve the problem. So I was in a second interview with two co-founders. They're sitting on the other side of the table with me. We're 90 minutes in. The interview's gone fairly well. You know, I screwed up a couple questions. A lot of stuff I answered well, whatever. And they just gave me like a, a throwaway question. Like, uh, so, you know, what's five years out look like from now? Like a variation of where do you see yourself in five years? Mm -hmm. And I said coach. And the word coach fell out of my mouth. And it surprised me as much as surprised them. Yeah. And that it was like, oh, shit, I said that out loud. <laughs> And wow. once I, yeah. And there was no putting it back in the box once I said it out loud. And it's from there that I went and got a coach. And it's from there that I went and sought out people who had built a business and coaching is there. Although I went and looked for uh, an actual path to, to get to this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's crazy to think that I've gone like so long without a coach previously, because now I can't imagine ever not having a coach now. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm like, you need a coach for everything. <laughs> yeah it's a bit so the belief system what kind of beliefs did you have to or what i mean what were some of your limiting beliefs mm. that the world doesn't need another fucking self-help person mm. that, that yeah. the world that who was going to hire me what did i have to say that was different or more valuable than other people was there there's no way i was gonna be able to replace my salary and make a decent living doing it because i had a director level title i had a six-figure salary i had mm -hmm. you know I, I had checked a bunch of those boxes of what society deems as success so yeah that the world that i could do it that the world would people would come to me for it that i should actually properly properly do it and then that i could make a real living doing it um there were some of the big leaps for me to make those are huge yeah you have been coaching full time for a year. Year, yeah, a year and a half, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, year, so year and four months, yeah, yeah. Really new. Mm -hmm. Relatively. Yeah. Showing up as a coach. Mm. Tell me about that experience. Something mm. new. Yeah, well, it's showing up as a coach is identity thing. There's Part of me going back to music in 2019 when I was avoiding this is I went back to Burning Man and I performed at Burning Man. And, but I got a lot of time there and a lot of time hanging out and thinking and reflecting and mm -hmm. wonderful time with my partner. And I spent a lot of time there thinking about identity and I actually recorded a little clip of me at Burning Man talking about identity and about that. We collect all of these things, other things that people said to us, Mm -hmm. things our parents projected on us that our aunt said as kids something our teacher said we like collect all this stuff and then we formulate these beliefs about ourselves and they create our identities and then it you know whether it's what we saw other people's in our community do or whatever we really set these these boxes these containers so i had a huge aha there again that uh, i've reconstructed who i was a couple times i can recreate it now and now showing up as a coach is cool because like, like this, like this right now, we're talking live, there's people popping in and out or whatever. There's some people, there's someone, I'm, I'm confident, so one person is going to hear one thing that you have said or that I have said is going to impact them. Mm -hmm. And knowing that showing up is coaching and that sharing is coaching and that 
embodying this identity that I am here to help other people uh, and then sharing my own journey and showing up. And that means not just sharing highlight reels, but sharing when things are tough. And when I'm crying one day, one day is a little harder or whatever, mm -hmm. um, is showing people that life is forever evolving and it is, uh, it's not all polish. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, you are always your first client. Like we just talked a couple minutes ago about, I can't imagine my life without a coach now, mm -hmm. uh, but also that we're always forever kind of learning and growing and that we're our own first clients. So a big part of that is, is showing up. Um, there's a quote that I love by Dr. Zeus, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter, which I go back to all what? the time whenever I'm thinking about things. Mm -hmm. Because those who you're meant to serve, those who are gonna be impacted by your work, those who are gonna be touched by what you do, those who are gonna feel magnetized by the way you might be able to help them, those who need to hear the message you're sharing on that day, mm -hmm. they won't care. They're gonna be happy to see you. You're, I really believe that you are someone's favorite notification. Like you, someone is really excited when they see you show up. And that those who do care, those who are judging, those who are questioning, those who are like, ah, who does he think he is? They don't matter. They're not gonna be your clients. They're not ready. You don't want to work with them anyway. So they don't, don't, they don't matter at all. I have to say, I do like, I love your content. So I Thank do get it. <laughs> You're <laughs> like you. bright light on LinkedIn for me. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. And that's one thing that's a real blessing is knowing that like, so thank you. That feels really nice. I get DMs and messages like that being like, thank you, I needed this today, this meant, or this spoke to me, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's cool, because I know I'm helping people. And then the beauty is, some of those people who have that resonant feeling with the stuff I put out, some of those people turn out to be clients. And it's like a, an extra bonus. Yeah. But just by showing up, knowing that if my real goal is to help people and to serve people, well, then showing up is what I need to do. And then if yeah. you do that, then you also, hopefully, it will lead to you getting to actually serve people more intimately in your programs in your one-on-one -on -one, in your groups or whatever it is that you deliver mm -hmm. right so building relationships mm -hmm. is key mm -hmm. in your experience well back to the showing up because you do show all of the, all of these sides mm -hmm. so did that take time to get to that point or was that just like here here i am mask is off boom it's funny because I'll go back. I'll answer your question, but I want to go in directly. I was afraid to create a LinkedIn account originally years ago because I still had this music persona. Mm -hmm. And even though I was going back to an office job, I was worried about the world colliding and me being seen. And on LinkedIn, I used to hide that I had a music background. Now, if you go, it lists my, like DJ is one of my experiences. It talks about my record labels. I used to hide that. I used to be afraid of that. So it's really funny to think. So it's definitely been an evolution in that sense, but I don't do things half-ass. I'm a burn the boats kind of person. So yeah. if I'm doing this, I'm doing it all the way. And I had this aha that there can be no gotcha. There can be no, like, I caught you if I'm putting it out on display. There's gonna be, and, and then the, the incongruency, like people talk about confidence all the time and uh, I'll do it when I feel confident or when I feel things are better or whatever. You get to feel confident by, showing up and letting things get messy right exactly. like you yeah. make the commitment to do it you make some attempts it's messy you screw up you learn then you feel confident mm -hmm. so for me confidence really comes from a congruency between what you're thinking and saying and what you 
what you're thinking and feeling and what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so yeah, there's gonna be no like, haha, I, I got you moment because I'm just putting it all out there. And I've gotten some really great feedback from people that it's refreshing, mm-hmm. that it's nice, that it feels human, that it cuts through the noise that right. so I feel like I've gotten encouragement for it. Yeah, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it all the way. I, there's no point in half-assing it. So, um, and in a world, also, look, I'm a marketer at heart. And this is something, I, actually, I would have never said those words. Like three weeks weeks ago, me saying I'm a marketer would have felt so cringy and gross. Mm. But I've always loved right. this intersection of, like, humanity, empathy, people's joy, fulfillment, impact, but also marketing. Mm-hmm. And... It's part of like me telling that story earlier with the flyer. That's marketing. I've always been a marketer at heart. So it's me saying, fuck it. You can't call me out because I'm putting it on display. I feel a lot more aligned and confident because I'm totally aligned with what I'm putting out there. But also I'm getting this feedback from a marketing point of view that people are thanking me and saying that it's refreshing and that it stands out and it feels real and it feels meaningful. And it is. So it, it, it fills lots of purposes and it feels really good to to just put it all out there yes well it's amazing how it went full circle back to that piece of paper that changed your life yeah really you are however many years later and do you do you believe that a lot of things go full circle yeah i really do think a lot of things go for full circle i think And actually, this makes me think of music. Music is in in cyclical trends. Like, I remember in the 90s when Disco House started being big big again, people were sampling disco records because we were 20 years away from that. And now I'm listening now and people are sampling, like, 90s hip-hop and 90s rave music. I'm like, it's cyclical. Just like fashion. Fashion is cyclical. We're like, we're just, we're how many many months away until bell bottoms are back in? I hope not. It's, we can't avoid it. We can't avoid it. It's coming. And it might be a little bit different. It might be flared a little bit less, a little bit more, but it's coming back. Corduroys, they're going to come back in. Like there's just, so things are cyclical. Uh, The planet is cyclical. Seasons are cyclical. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that other things are too. And I, and there's like the cheesy line that um, the lessons will keep showing up until you, you know, like things will keep happening in your life until you learn the lessons you need to learn from them or whatever. There's a better version better way to say that that's Mm -hmm. too so yeah i do think that it all ties back into each other in some way Mm -hmm. when you're working with clients so you work with as a business coach coaching other coaches Mm -hmm. what would you say is your main messaging with them or what is you Mm -hmm. say purpose-driven coaches so can you explain that a little bit some people think that coaching, coaching is, coaching is having a moment. Coaching is turning into when, when I remember like yoga started getting popular or meditation started getting popular, which was really cool. Cause I remember when no one talked about yoga or no one talked about meditation, I feel that coaching is having the same thing too. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing more and more people, you know, people in Hollywood or other people who are talking about their coaches, the power of their coaches, the impact of their coaches. So it's having a pretty awesome moment. I think the power of it is immense. Um, it is such a gift, but that also means that it is also attracting some people that think it's like an easy way to make some money that I can just like Mm -hmm. have this online business. I'm going to have my life at the beach. I'm going to live in Bali and watch me go. So the people who are pursuing it from that point of view, I have no interest in working with them. I actually said no to three different people last year because 
I just didn't feel from a values point of view that we were aligned there. The people mm -hmm. that I work with, the people I resonate most with, the people who I'm excited to serve, the people I have the best results with are people who are coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. For them, it really is about helping others, about having deep impact. It's about they have made some huge leaps in their lives and they felt like, wow, this has been so incredible. How do I pay it forward? Those mm -hmm. are the people who I feel that I'm meant to serve. And it's funny, actually, speaking of like, uh, of things coming full circle and of, of things showing up until you listen, I didn't intend on coaching coaches. Right? Mm. If we were to spoke two years ago, I would have said to you, I'm a creativity coach. Because of my background in music, I love creative people. I love helping creative people be creative more consistently. But then I had people coming and asking me about habits because I was sharing and showing up. Back to your showing up question. I was yeah. showing up and sharing a whole lot about my habits, about my morning routine, about the benefits I was getting from all of the the habits I was creating in my life. And prior to that, I felt like, ooh, discipline is like reducing my freedom. I'm a rebel. But then yeah. I realized, oh, if I can be disciplined about these intentional things, it's actually giving me so much more freedom in other areas. So people yeah. started asking me for that. So I called myself a habit strategist for a while. Mm -hmm. And then when I went full time, 11 of my first 12 clients were entrepreneurs. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Why is that? They're rebellious. They like challenging the status quo. They like answering big questions. They, and I was like, I identify with that. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I made that my thing. And then I had coaches show up and say, hey, you've managed to figure this out. I've been trying to do this for a year and I, you have clients already like, hey, how are you working with people overseas? Can you, can? and the first couple coaches who came to me, I said, I don't work with coaches. I don't coach coaches. The third person did in a 10 day window. And when that third person, third person showed up, I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I yes, yes, I coach coaches. Yes, this is now something that I do. Yeah. Um, and then I just sat back and thought, what have been the pillars that have been so crucial for me making this leap and be, to succeed at it? And the teaching that I coach with people, what I teach them, my program, when I'm working with it, someone is really three buckets. One, mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And the word, I, I don't like using the word, but sometimes I'll use it. But really, is the belief there? Do you believe you're worth it? Do you believe you can do it? That's everything. Yeah. Can you connect to the vision of thinking that you can have the impact? Getting that unshakable belief and confidence in place. Because if we go right to tactics and strategies, but that belief is not there, it's tough. Mm -hmm. Second bucket is around the basics of your business. Do you have clarity of who you're serving? Why you're serving? Do you understand them intimately? How do you communicate mm -hmm. to those people? What is your positioning? What is all of that? And that is needed because there's so many coaches out there. How, if you're not clear on that, then you're just someone else to say, I'm a life coach and I'll help you live your best life. What does life. that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. And then the third bucket is on the marketing, is on the sales. How do you stand out? How do you create inbound leads? How do you become magnetic to people you're excited to serve? How do you do sales in an authentic way uh, mm -hmm. that doesn't feel icky? So those are the three main buckets that I work with people in and then depending on the person and where they're at, what they need help with, we'll dive deeper in one area over the others. But that's the, the way that I work with people. Curious, because you show up a lot on video and mm -hmm. that's perhaps what I'm working with people on is mm -hmm. more than just the video, it's, it's hitting those similar buckets, like yep. talking, what's your, what's your why mm -hmm. and, and the authenticity. So what if, you have someone that's really struggling with showing up. Mm. What was, what would be your. So two things, one would be a deep dive on the 
self-beliefs on their limiting beliefs on their sense of self-worth on their like rewriting those scripts challenging all of that so that they can start collecting evidence that is contrary to that and then mm -hmm. once you start collecting evidence for that, then you can start creating new beliefs. And once you have those new beliefs and, and, and evidence, then you start having convictions. So there's that. And then the other piece is helping people find a way to show up that's aligned to them. Like video, mm -hmm. if you can do video, it is really powerful. And I know this is why you encourage people to do it. And I know it's been important in my business too, because you get a sense of who someone is. Like I, we've never met. I don't know if we've ever spoken one-on-one -on -one other than some chat messages before this, but I feel like I know you and I know your values. And I, cause I know your tone of voice. I know your facial expressions. I know your body language. So I get a sense of who you are as a person. Rich media video is so powerful. So if yeah. you can do it, you should do it. And if part of your journey is learning to make that leap, yes, fully, absolutely, absolutely. But I do believe that it is worth stopping and thinking about what are your natural gifts? Are you a really good writer? Do you take beautiful pictures? Are you good at deconstructing complex ideas and explaining them in a simple way? Do you have a good sense of humor? Do you like to dance? Like what are the other creative tools, talents that you have that you can leverage? Because you can then use that and show up online and it won't be as tiring. It won't be as exhausting. It won't be so much of a struggle. And then you, I know plenty of people who based on just wonderful pros or, or good pictures or, or tapping into their gifts have built successful businesses without doing much video. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it's about making tapping into that. But if you can get someone to show up on video, like I have people show, you know, I know, you know, this people show up to intro calls with me and say, I feel like I know you because mm -hmm. they've watched a bunch of my videos. It's so yeah. powerful because it's so rich. Exactly. Okay. What's your human design? Do you know? I don't know my human design. <laughs> okay. I'm so curious. I'm just learning about it. I, mean, I know about like the basics of each one. So I'm, I'm curious, but there's- I um... have to look it up because I think you're the third or fourth person in the last month who's mentioned it to me. And like, I have a yeah. peripheral understanding of what it is, but I, I don't know much about it. I think you'd, you'd really enjoy it because you can tailor it. A friend who's, who's a, she is a content coach, essentially tailors whatever your sign is, not your sign, your um, design mm -hmm. to your type of marketing. So like mm -hmm. what is best for you? And then whether it's video writing, you know, how you, to express yourself, it's, yep. it's interesting. but you're right. It's, it's about finding something that does feel in alignment, but pushes you mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, outside of this, the comfort zone. So what are you most proud of? My children, my right. children and their resilience and they continue to teach me and their curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really proud of them and the way that they express themselves openly. Um, and one of them is really passionate about causes with the environment and they are teaching us. Um, and the other one is just freely expressing themselves in a way that might be contrary to societal norms and they're really comfortable with that and following their curiosity. So, um, yeah, definitely my children is the first thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And you're, you are their father. So they're, it's in their blood, right? This rebellious. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think so. Um, they've definitely, the modeling that they have seen has been 
rebellious and, and questioning the status quo and, and speaking your mind, but it's nothing to do it. And also, you know, having gone through a divorce, like there's the, the fact that they still have their, their light, their spark, their curiosity for life, even though there's been some trying periods in their life. Um, that's probably the thing I'm, I'm most proud of. And then b beyond that, it's just like, I don't know, it's gonna sound cheesy, but the success of my clients, like I look at the stuff my clients are doing and it feels awesome. And I get these messages from people and they're doing things they never thought they could do. And they're achieving milestones that seemed impossible. And there's one client when I first started speaking with them, they said there was a five-year plan. You know, maybe they could do this thing in five years and then they did it in a matter of months and they quit their job and they had a $10,000 week last month. Wow. Yeah. So that, and, and it's, that person said to me too, um, they, they had like tears of joy one day, a couple of weeks ago, the realization that they're living their dream life and their partner said to them, they feel that their soul has come back. Wow. Like what? I, how do you talk that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Really, that's, yeah. that's right there. So I was just thinking, thinking about the, the impact that you were making in your music, for example, having people feel something. So now you're creating a much deeper impact, mm -hmm. life-changing impact. Mm -hmm. So what are you most looking forward to right now? Mm. I mentioned earlier this collaboration project and I have to be a little vague about it right now because we're still in the brainstorming stages, but uh, this is someone I'm really excited to work with who they really admire me. I really admire them. There's this like mutual adoration and respect and it's because we both approach the world in the same way and we both approach marketing with an empathy point of view and both kind of realizing that one of the reasons why we succeed in what we do is because we lead with empathy. And if you lead with empathy, then you're really trying to understand other people. And if you're really trying to understand other people, their plight, their challenges, their fears, their dreams, their worries, then when you're showing up and sharing content that speaks to that, they feel seen and heard deeper than anything else. So I am really excited because we wrote out what our goal was with this. And like the number one thing was have a fucking blast. The second one was to provide immense value the third one was to give people an experience. Mm -hmm. um, like those are, there's maybe a fourth one, but our goals with that, that those are our goals. Yeah. Amazing. And that, and that money will flow. Like that's a secondary thought. So that's yeah. probably what I'm most looking forward to. Um, also, I've been doing more and more group programs and group coaching, which is fun. And trying to take as much of stuff out of here and put it into video content and into modules. So my program is pretty robust. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to make it like fully self-study because I really care too much about results and it's hard mm -hmm. for people to get results if it's just complete self-study. Yeah. And the reason why with my groups, I cap them at four or five people because mm -hmm. then it allows people to learn from the community and support each other, but everyone still gets some individual attention. Uh, but I'm feeling really good about the amount of stuff that I've transferred from my mind into into video modules at this point. That's a big feat. Congratulations. Thank you. It's for, and it's forever. It's even still, I'm like, oh, I got to add this. Oh, I got to change that. So it's it's forever evolving, I think. But there's lots of it created right now. Yeah, you're in the flow. It's awesome. Yeah. To see. Where can people find you? I am most active on LinkedIn in here. Like there's, I, I struggle with people sometimes. Let's do the list. All right. So there's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, 
Pinterest, YouTube, Clubhouse, podcasts. I feel like there won't be one more, right? Like there's, there's so many places. And if you try to show them all, you will burn out. Uh, my places right now, I'm very active on LinkedIn and on Instagram are the two places. Um, if you want to go to my website, growthhabit.org is the best place to look me up. But I honestly, here yeah. on Instagram or on, or on LinkedIn would be the best places. Okay. Awesome. We didn't even talk about habits, really, but we were all about the cold shower. I know that. <laughs> yes, it's really impactful. It's the best way to wake up. Rob, thank you so much. Thank you. Willow. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode brought to you by Be Seen Productions. If you enjoyed this conversation, find and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to go ahead and leave a five-star review, that would be amazing as well. If you're looking to elevate your on-camera presence and create engaging videos, check out bseenproductions.com or just connect with me directly on email, willow at bseenproductions.com. I also hang out on Instagram at whereiswillow. Thanks again for being here. See you in the next episode. Until then, keep carving your own fucking path. Thank you.